On this episode of Engage, please welcome from the Delta Flight Control Dispatch and First Vice President of the Professional Airline Flight Control Association, Mr. Jim Starnes. Here's your host, Ryan Argenta. Welcome back to another episode of Engage. Today I'm with Jim Starnes. He's the first vice president of PAFCA. That's the Professional Airline Flight Control Association. And in short, it's our dispatchers. And contrary to popular belief, we're not the only union in town. Our dispatchers are unionized as well under PAFCA. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Hey, Ryan. Awesome to be with you guys. Great to have the chance to get to hear your membership. Thank you. Appreciate the invite. Yeah, absolutely. And so you are a dispatcher. In fact, your title is systems operations manager, which means you are a head honcho dispatcher for multiple fleets. You can get into that in a second. But sure. the big thing is pilots and dispatchers work together hand in hand every flight, every day. We rarely see each other. And yeah. there seems to be maybe some myths and disconnects between our professions. But at the end of the day, we're all Delta employees. We're part of that Delta employee community. And we want to bring that message out. Now, you are part of PAFCA, which represents how many members, how many dispatchers are there? Right now, we get a total of 508. That includes some of our leadership, some of our SASs that are doing some different kind of basically technology related stuff. And that's Perfect. just it. Delta, you have over 500 Delta. dispatchers just yeah. at Delta. Yeah, so we're part of, there is, of course, a PAFCA International. In fact, our president, Jeff Donaldson, is actually also the president of PAFCA International. So we represent Delta. PAFCA represents Delta, American United, and Spirit. In fact, some of the guys right now in Dallas and info share with, with the guys from the other PAFCA locals. Yeah, we're not a small group. We're definitely not the biggest. We're not small. Yeah, that's impressive. I think the the general thought from the pilot side, at least, was that there were there were much fewer dispatchers, yeah. but that's impressive to know. And so one thing that stands out is you're about to enter Section 6 negotiations, yeah. which we just wrapped up about a year ago. And so we're implementing our new contract and you're about to enter that phase. And so you're putting out your messaging, you're working with the company. And I want to ask, first and foremost, what is your experience with management, with the company in terms of negotiating, in terms of your union management relationship? What are your issues? I think we're going to find the pilots and the dispatchers are more aligned in, in many ways than we think. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Ryan. We're alike in more ways than, than, than we're different. We speak to our management monthly. We meet with them. We have a pretty good relationship with our local management, our smaller group, our directors. But the last negotiation period, we were in the late team. So that was 2017 to 2019. That lasted a little over a year. It's like any other negotiation. We get through the easy stuff quickly. But when the rubber hits the road, it comes down to money and they're retiring and things like that. It's prone to wanting to slow down a little bit. So. We're hoping that this won't be a protracted period that we can get through this relatively quickly. We have our negotiating committee paneled. We've got five dispatchers, myself included, and Jeff Donaldson, our president, that'll be on the negotiating committee. So we've got the letter written. We've actually had conversations with the MEC and the Alpha negotiating committee on, hey, what kind of stuff did you guys run into? What did you see? And, and they've been incredibly helpful and forthcoming. That relationship is growing, blossoming. We're absolutely welcome. And you guys have been fantastic on that front. 
Yeah. And I think whether you're unionized or not, right, Delta employees, we need to come together and support each other. And that's what I want to bring out, right? The, the, yeah. There's yeah. a potential for the AFA, the, the Association of Flight Attendants, to organize Delta flight attendants. Right. And whether they do or not, we just want to support our fellow employees. And I just want the best for our flight attendants. And I want the best for the gate agents and the mechanics and, and all employee groups, whether you're working below wing, above wing, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And obviously the two unions work together, but regardless of that, we used to have this concept of the Delta family and yeah, that's disintegrated in recent years, but it's up to us, the employees, we're the long-term stakeholders, if you will, to come together and support each other. And I think everybody needs to be treated well by management and treated well by corporation that is right. Yeah. I recall the Delta family too. I've been here. I've been at property for 13 years. When I started there, it was definitely a thing. It was palpable. It was, you could tell that it was very close to an employee group. And that really translated across all the groups, the pilot group, flight attendants, cargo, ACS, mechanics, OCC. It was, it didn't really matter. You were Delta, good enough. And that's been dismantled over through whatever means, probably the last five or six years, I've really noticed a, a declination in it. And that's unfortunate. But to your point, it's up to us. And, and I still feel that. I still feel that within the groups, we always get it done. It always seems to come together and happen. And a lot of that seems to happen sometimes in spite of the challenges that we face that are some of ourselves inflicted. But I, I think it's vitally important. It's vitally important, certainly us. Two union groups on property right now. That's PAFCA and ALPA. You guys are, as our union brothers and sisters, here to support. We're here to help drive messaging. And we're here to be your third guy in the jump seat. We're your third crew member. We're here for you. And it's heartening to see the way that we come together when we need. And, and I think it's important for us to support flight attendants, mechanics, ACS, all those folks in, in whatever initiatives that they're trying to accomplish. And we certainly do. We'll do what we can to help them by all means. Yeah, absolutely. And so I want to go down that path with you because you've got the ear of 16,000, yep. over 16,000 pilots. Yeah. How can we help support you, the dispatchers? We work with you day in and day out. We A-cars you in and out. You probably yep. get more Rogers and copies <laughs> and acts. RDA and yeah. it's funny. There's a human on the other end of that. Like you could say hello. It's funny you mentioned that I, a few years ago, I was, I was doing my jump seat, my annual jump seat. I think I was going to Phoenix. It was on a seven, six. It was bumpier than, than a gravel road. And the captain looked at me and goes, Hey, I want you to do something for me. So yeah, what's heading? He goes, I want you to send a message to the dispatcher. He goes, I don't care what you say. Just here. So he it up. He said, go ahead and type. <clears throat> so I'm punching in the, you know, and of course it's not a, a QWERTY key. It's all over the place. So I'm, I'm hunting and packing it. <laughs> Now you know why we just say it. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I understand. But uh, yeah, we're here in, and I've shared barbecue recipes with guys in flight uh, and several other things. No, it's great. It's I actually, I, I like a chatty crew. Fun to just cut it up and talk and have that conversation. Yeah, it, it's all recorded. Keep it, keep it in line. But uh, there is a human on the other end of that. But we want to extend that as well. So you have an annual jump seat requirement where you have to get on a flight and but aside from that, I feel dispatchers can jump seat outside of those requirements and I'd like to encourage it. I think just for the experience yeah. level, it sounds like you, you had a big turnover during COVID. You have some new dispatchers, but I think it'd be good for pilots and, and dispatchers to have that crosstalk, to have those conversations. Absolutely. I say jokingly, but if you're going to dispatch your own flight, I bet the contingency fuel is a little higher than you normally. <laughs> Min fuel for landing is going to be bumped up just a little bit. My wife's on that plane. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to encourage that. I think the Delta MEC does as well. 
what else can we so, do to support you, especially as you go into the section six negotiation? Yeah. I think I'd really put it this way. Simply call your dispatch. We're, like I said, we're your third crew member. We're metaphorically and sometimes literally on the jump seat. So we're right there. We're your lifeline into the, the, the OCC. We're here to help. We're here to, we're here to listen. I've had guys call me just to complain about taking forever for them to get out here, push the plane or weather or whatever that may be. Uh, if you want to call, just talk, call, talk. That's fine. We can talk about flight plans. We can talk about routing. We can talk about uh, fuel, talk about notams, talk about anything you want to talk about. Engage us. We're here. Use us and include us in frequently happens sometimes that during a maintenance event, even on the ground, we'll come to find out about something that's going on maintenance wise with the aircraft after the conversations already taken place with maintenance. So loop us in, get us in there, help us help you really. So that's a big thing. The other thing, and we've had this conversation with, with the MEC and, and, and the comms group, we're trying right now. We're, uh, and, and it's moving forward pretty rapidly and definitely in the right direction. You're going to see us. We're going to try to get out to the base, just some road shows. We hang out outside the pilot lounges. Hey. We're here. Our guys at United actually worked with their Alpha group. These bag tags printed up. It's a call your dispatcher. And they set up basically car tickets with the local rep and, and just, hey, I'm, I'm Dave. I'm your dispatcher. And uh, it was tremendously fruitful for him. So we're looking to do that. So you'll see us out in the wild after the first year. The holidays die down a little bit. Get through that period. Then we're going to get out there with, with a vengeance. So I think having conversations with awareness, let folks know that we're here, that we're in this period and have those conversations with us, talk to us and, and just help us, help us drive that message. Yeah, that'd be cool. So the more we can get that message out and, and make it visible to our internal groups and even just the public. We're two different groups. We speak with one voice. We got their back. Sure. They have ours. Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's vitally important. I make it a point. I have an Alpha. One of your safety guys gave me it's an Alpha mouth pad. Can I put that? Anything to visually draw that and make that. It really drives home that relationship between our two groups is important. And we're all in on it. Yeah, absolutely. It unifies the employee group, yep. um, whether unionized or not. So. Yep. Awesome. We'll, we'll look forward to uh, seeing you on those road shows. You can reach Absolutely. out to your local LEC reps uh, for information on that. But in the meantime, Jim, can we ask you some pilot related questions? Absolutely. This is All right. It starts, it, here's the first, it starts with this. I'm going to give you a softball. Okay. Hit me. What you got? The weather at your remote island destination is 602. <laughs> How much contingency fuel am I putting on? Yeah. I'm obviously joking, but I do want to ask you at the base level, you talked about the turnover of dispatchers. You've got 500. Yeah. You said in our, our pre-planning call, there's about 35 dispatchers on the floor at any given time. Yeah. And their workloads are dependent on weather and things like that. How does somebody become a dispatcher? You're a little kid and you're walking through an airport and you're going, when I grow up, I'm going to be a dispatcher. We all said that. We all knew really from a very young age that we were going to be uh, airline dispatchers. So that's the no question. We've got folks from, this is actually second career. We've got folks that come from all walks of life. We've got a couple of former pilots in there, uh, a couple of former 121 guys. We have got a, got a guy that was on the 88 in our office with Delta. We've got another guy that was 737 guys from United, came over, he's working for us now. So we've got folks from every walk of life, from all different backgrounds. And that's awesome. That helps. It helps to have that breadth background with, especially within the industry. If you can bring that into the OCC and into this job, it's, it's really going to help you out. So the, the path here is colleges and universities that actually offer dispatch courses. Riddle has it. Middle Tennessee Middle State. Tennessee, yeah. They're big, yeah. right? Yeah, MTSU. So there's a few paths that way. We do have a few guys that came out of the military, although it's a very different environment there in, into 121. They do it essentially the same thing we do, but they just do it a little bit differently. So there aren't real parallels there. You go through, you take the class. Classes are, it's a few months, 
through it and then you get out and you, it's basically you're doing IOE. You're sitting with somebody and they're watching on your shoulder for a couple hundred hours. You get through that and then, then you're out there and you're on your own. So, and how does it work? Are you assigned to a particular fleet or to a particular yeah. route? Good question. How is that? Because I, I see a lot of repeat names coming yeah. across through our dispatch paperwork and, and ACARs. And obviously you have shift change, but sure. how does that work? So our office is cut into two large areas. There's domestic and international. Domestic folks just work domestic stuff with the exception of Toronto and Montreal, technically international. Those are on the domestic side. But when you start getting uh, into the flag stuff, that's all on the international side. So they cut up the, when, when they do the, 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 the line construction and the desk construction, they try to cut it up geographically. So if you look at, if you're actually looking at the physical structure and floor, kind of the West Coast and Central, and, and it's, of course, you know, New York to, to, to Texas, New York to Florida, they cut it up that way and by hub. But they always tell us whenever we bid, uh, you're bidding a line of time, you're not necessarily bidding a geography. And it's not fleet specific. It's not uncommon to have every one of our aircraft in the fleet on one desk on any given day. You could have a 220 that's holding in, in St. Louis. And a 757, that's uh, asking your opinion on the weather in New York. And then a 761 to Orlando with a technical issue. It can be all over the place. So it's, I've been in multiple letter yell books and QRHs at the same time across the fleet. So it's, it's dynamic that way. And we, it can be a challenge with the number of flights and where they're at geographically. Because if you have kind of one of those days where the, where the weather gods and the aviation gods just are not on your side and you've got weather going on in multiple different places, it can go from zero to full throttle pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah, that, that's pretty impressive because you, you just reminded, like you're in the books alongside with us, yeah. right? If there's an MEL yep. that comes up, you're looking at the MEL, we're yep. looking at the MEL. We only have to figure out one fleet or one particular aircraft at a time. Right. You're saying you're running multiple mm -hmm. fleets, multiple destinations. Yeah in one particular shift. So you're looking at a 220 MEL and then you're turning around to look at the 75 MEL and then you've got a 330 asking for ride reports. Yeah. That's impressive. That's yeah, truly that's, a juggling act. It is. And then you brought up something that, a, a parallel here that you said you bid your schedule and right. your seniority based. And you mentioned again in our pre-planning call that you're on reserve this month. So these yeah. are all things that pilots can relate to. Yeah, we're, we're trying to beat, beat it on the rug, if you will, to try to narrow down some of those geographies a little bit better when it comes to how we bid annually for a line. So it's a 12-month bid. However, when you're on that relief, the reserve, it's month to month. And you grab whatever desks are out there, or you just hear an extra and they go to the bullpen when they need you. But yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to, to narrow that down. I think that's something that we're going to try to look to, to capture in this negotiating period and within our, our schedule guidelines, our work rules, a little bit more definition on, on, on where we go. Yeah. And, and so you bid your vacation, you bid your yep. schedules, just yep. like us. Yep. Let me ask you this from our perspectives. One of our challenges that we have that we tried to alleviate in our most recent contract are some of the scheduling issues, long FDPs, reroutes. Yep. changes, long airport sits, things that especially affect the domestic operation. Yeah. Do you see any of that? Does that ever affect? Oh man, every day. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And how? So interestingly enough, we, the word is, hey, look, the pilot owns their time. They, they own their schedule. They should know where they're at. And that's true, but it's also, I have to operate within the FAR, so I can't release anything that's going to put you 
over your time. I, I, I can't plan a flight that is going to assume that you're going to extend, that you're going to grab that extension and go into it. I can't do that. I got to make sure that those realities are followed. So we, we do have functional knowledge of 117, although it's still really ancient Egyptian hieroglyph to me. I, I, it's about as clear as mud, but interesting that you asked that because in the role that I'm in right now, we try to keep planes with crews. That's the new initiative. Keep the crew on the same plane. It's just a little bit more efficient for everything that we do. And it's a little easier for you guys to run it halfway across Atlanta to get, uh, try to make your next leg within 35 minutes, which is a little silly. Yeah. So as much as we can do that, we're, we are trying to know that there, there is that, that initiative out there. So we work with some role. We do work very closely with crew tracking. They're actually right over the wall called the bridge with us. So it definitely affects how we plan. If we can speed you up, certainly we'll do it. If I can get, get you a better route, get you there a little bit quicker, we do that. We are absolutely not in the business of pilot pushing. No dispatcher is ever going to try to influence you to do something you just don't want to do. It's not what we do. So we're conscious of the time. We're conscious of your, of your duty limits and what those constraints are, but yeah, we're not going to drive you. Okay. And, and you are aware that on, uh, a commute day or the last leg of a rotation, um, cost index is 900. Yes. I go, I, I, I go 99, 99.9. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. The go home leg is, is quickest. And into so a serious question though, uh, yeah. a lot of times we get our paperwork and we see things that either don't make sense or we don't yep. understand, or we don't have the big picture here and some common questions in, in the people that I've asked, like, Hey, I'm talking to the dispatchers. What do you want me to bring to them? The, the most common thread here is. A lot of times we look at the, the flight plan or the paperwork and there's maybe you get to top of climb and then there's de a descent and then there's another top of climb or something doesn't make sense or maybe a routing mm -hmm. that's not weather related. And maybe the common myth is they just feed it into a computer and the computer spits it out and says, this is the most efficient route and this is what you're going to do. And we all probably agree, okay, I'm not going to descend to 300 for one point and then climb back up. What's the reality in that? You're obviously more savvy than just feeding it in a computer, the computer spits out the answer and you go, yeah, go fly it. So you can get there, honestly, if you, uh, if you want to, but we absolutely discourage that for multiple reasons. I, I would, I would say we discourage it. It's something that we train into our dispatches to be a lot more mindful of the flight plans they're releasing. Really there's that scan, right? There's that panel scan that you're doing. And in the software that we use, we want to look at the route. We want to make sure you're not porpoising on the West coast, the East coast at the crazy altitude. There might be some altitude shifts there. Um, maybe we're trying to keep you in a certain layer to get you out of turbulence. Uh, I could get you around weather, whatever, but no, there's a lot more scrutiny that goes into it. And I, I think that you guys look at enough of them. You can look at a flight plan and go, oh, geez, yeah, put some thought into this. And I, when I train, I drive that through what we put in the dispatch note. Say something, talk to them, tell them, hey, here's, if you do something that's outside of the norm or something other than there, something, tell them why, right? Don't just, where the heck are we doing this? There's no explanation for why we're doing this. That drives the phone call. And it's not, again, we want to talk to you. So by all means, call. I, I also want you to be able to look at the flight plan, look at my notes and, oh, okay. I see. And that's what he did. That's why he did that. And sure. at that point, if that's something that, that maybe you don't agree with, then we can definitely open the door for that conversation. But there is a lot more involved in, in terms of routing and altitudes and everything that goes into a fuel loads and bells and bottom constraints, that sort of thing. Okay. How important are position reports to you? Pretty important, especially on you know, the international stuff. We want to know you're there. That's, that's important. I've had some flights go nearly coast to coast with one position report. And I understand it's not, it happens. Well, it's, it's automated as long it's as automated. you don't get the beam points. It's automated. Exactly. 
So this is actually very interesting that you brought this up. We are currently working with uh, Jared Adams in the office, in the MEC office. He's one of the, I'm a, one of the safety guys there. He's actually going to cycle us through the FTDs to give us. So when we see those position reports, there's certain information on there that immediately jumps out and makes sense to us. Where you're at, what time was it? What's the, any kind of meteorological phenomenon? What's, what are the rides like? So that stuff jumps out of it. So there's other stuff that's going, what is, I don't, what are they trying to say? So the idea is to get our folks in there to see, okay, this is the box. This is how the thing works. This is the general, of course, not down to into the finer points. Like you guys use it, but hey, when we sense this is what it looks like on our end, this is what we're trying to tell you. This is that familiarity. Oh, I see and, and vice versa. We can talk about that in a few minutes, but yeah, they are important. And every now and then I'll ping them. Hey, when you get a chance, if you could, you throw on a position report. It's always, I always keep the same reply. Oh, oops. You didn't get the last one. Didn't automate. No, that's a, no big deal. No worries. But yeah, we want to know you're there. If you can drop us a ride report from time to time, that's tremendously helpful. We do see pyreps, of course, from other airlines and other aircraft up there, but when we can get it from our crews and because our routing is fairly consistent, usually I've got a crew asking, I probably got somebody up ahead a little bit that can tell me what, what they're into and, and, and how it's been working. So position reports, ride reports, huge. Love those. Okay. So you mentioned going in, obviously you ride in the jump seat on actual flights. You get that experience. You go into our FTDs. You see, you got the experience of figuring out that our FMS, our ACARS keyboard is not <laughs> QWERTY. We don't have a question mark, which yeah. I would add if I were manufacturing I mean, a question I, I mark. put emojis on the thing. Emojis would be great. Right? That's going to be, be the new like Gen Z right. keyboard. Instead of an RDA, you just send a thumbs up. Yeah. I, I, in fact, I'll type that thumbs up emoji. Yeah. But can pilots come visit you on the floor? Oh, yeah. Can pilots come to dispatch and see what it looks like? We always say it looks like, smells like, I don't know if we want to smell the dispatcher cubicles, but can we show up or, and how do we coordinate that? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Emphatically, yes, please. We love to have you guys in there. Unfortunately, there isn't any time set aside in in-dock or in command, but when it comes to visiting us, absolutely. Pull up a chair, grab a coffee. Again, those environments... When I'm on the jump seat and on the times, on, on the occasions when I do have somebody come in and, 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 and sit with us, I have the best, most fruitful conversations. And it's always, oh, no way. I didn't know you could do that. And I do the same thing. Like when I'm up there, for instance, this is going to sound dumb, but I had no idea when you guys were closing at a similar altitude, the same up. Night, you click the lights. I saw a crew do that. Tick, tick, they turned to them. Like, really? You flash the brights? He goes, yeah, I do that all the time. I had no idea. That's really cool. So this is a goofy little example of, I had no idea you could do that. And hey, what does this button do? That kind of stuff. We actually are in preliminary discussions for when you guys have sort of an alpha day, then in doc, bring everybody over to the MEC office and they tell them, hey, this, here's your alpha briefing. I think we're maybe going to get about five minutes and that, which is great just for us to break the ice, start that relationship when everybody comes in the door. Because we got, we've got pilots from all, right? Regional military, some of them have never had a dispatch group like ours operates. Not quite sure what the landscape is there. And we want to help with that. Cheaply, we want to drive home. We're here for you. You are our customer. We're here to make your job better, hopefully easier, but definitely we started to make it better. Yes. The answer is yes, you can. So there's multiple ways to do that. I'm actually going to put myself out here a little bit and, and, and I'm happy to do it. So for all 16,000 of you, get your pens out. You can actually send me an email if you want. It's jim.starnes, S-T-A-R-N-E-S, at iCloud.com. That's my personal email. 
shoot me an email. Tell me that you want to come in and I will coordinate that or I'll, somebody on our team can get you in there. I will make sure that we get you with somebody who, who wants to spend some time with you, show you the ropes and have you come in and, and spend some meaningful time. But yeah, absolutely. I cannot stress that enough. Are you sure you want to do that? I'm positive. Because it's one thing, and I'll throw this out for the pilots. We go to Atlanta for CQ for a recurrent training, and we obviously want to go home on day two. But when you have that lag between day one and day two, that might be a good opportunity to Perfect. go in and say, hey, Jim, coming in for training. And I've been in there at one in the morning. It doesn't matter the timing. Nope. It's a 24-hour operation. Yep. I'd suggest you go in the middle of the night. Yeah, it's, it's a very different environment. But yeah. Get out of your C period or D period uh, sim. You've got some lag. Go in there, see Jim, see the dispatchers. Yeah, absolutely. That would be a great opportunity. So thank you for that. And and I think that would be great. Work better together and understand yes. each other even more. Yeah. The more we can do to drive that cohesion between our two groups and where what we do touches, where our most commonalities are, uh, I, I can't stress that enough. I'm all in it. And I guess to, I don't want to diverge too much here, but we're working again with the MEC to try to maybe get some actually joint committees going. So then we're talking on a more frequent basis, maybe monthly, uh, even if it's to check in, Hey, everything, what do you got? What do you guys got? And, and have that cross pollination. So maybe through those means, we might be able to set up a little bit more of a formal system with full work to do, but yeah, man, good things on the horizon for, for both of our groups, I think, and stronger together. Yeah, you said it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is a good uh, place to wrap it all up. Let's do another episode. And, yeah, and that way that gives our listeners opportunity to send us a dart, dart.alpa.org. You can email us at engagepodcast at alpa.org. Send us your questions across yeah. the board. Give us your feedback, but send us your questions for Flight Control Dispatch. We'll compile them. Let's do another episode in the new year. Absolutely. And we can really hammer you with the pilot questions. I made you to pass uh, that, right? Yeah, I know captains yeah. are asking a lot. They're really shortchanging the the fuel yep. here. And it's like, all right, Cap, call them up, man. You're the captain. Throw yes. more fuel on. Do you ever argue with that, Jim? You, no. You guys no, train no. to fight the pilots on? No. In fact, I, I'm actually glad even as we wrap up, I'm glad you, you said that. Dispatchers should never... I, I never do. I never hear it. But if you ever have a dispatcher argue with you about, geez, I don't think that's necessary. Please let us know. And we will through probably through our press dance committee, have a conversation with that person and can maybe help us drive that message through. We will never argue with you about it. We may ask you, I've had a couple captains. I think the most extreme example I had captain asked once for 5,000 pounds more than what I gave him. And it was a, it was kind of a VFR. There wasn't, there was no real that I could detect. It didn't seem like there were too many threats out there. So we may ask you out of a genuine curiosity, no problem. Can you, are you seeing something that I'm not? Cause I want to know. Yeah. Did you see a notum I didn't see? Or are you seeing something in the task that I'm not seeing? No, that question is not a challenge. It's born of a genuine curiosity. Man, what did I miss? I, if he's asking for that much gas, I didn't see something. But 1,000 pounds, 2,000 pounds, as long as we got the margin, absolutely. There's, there's yeah. no, no question. I guess it, guess it depends on your airplane. But yeah. yeah, and to that point, if I'm just a new captain and I'm going into weather, or maybe I'm high men's captain or flying sure. with a new FO, yep. and I just want a little wiggle room, yeah. Absolutely. Just a little feel good. You can say that. Yeah. Hey, I'm a new captain. Yeah. I just need a little safety buffer here, like a little feel good buffer. That's a perfectly good example of talking to your dispatcher, bringing them into the team. Hey man, it's clear in a million. It's a VFR day. Why do you need so much fuel? I'm a new captain. And yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and feel free to say that. And like I said, it's generally speaking, we're not ever going to challenge the task. 
Great. Do you ever get offended? If, if no. we ask, hey, why'd you put this or why'd you do that? Or No, I don't. And most of us have pretty thick skin. I've had guys call me up sometimes and just absolutely explode because you know, they're having a bad day. Look, it's the environment out there can be difficult. I've had guys call up, does anybody in that building care about safety or something along those lines? Hey, you know what? If I could be the guy that you vent to, call me up. It's fine. Go ahead. I'll listen to you. It's all right. I don't get offended. This is not, it's not a bar play, right? But you're, like, you're asking me professionally to do something for you. And it's my obligation to do that. My obligation to hear your request, consider it. As long as it's something we can do, yeah, I'm absolutely going to do it. So no, I, I don't think, I can't speak for everybody in the office, but no, I don't get offended. Yeah. And you, I think that's a great point. We're all working together here, operate with some kindness and, and just get it done. So yeah, absolutely. I, I do want to ask while we're on topic, but we have sure. transitioned to the fully electronic yep. paperwork plus. now, and we use mission plus. Yep. Do you have any interaction with that? Any feedback on that? Yeah. We're do you do anything differently on your end? No, we don't. The only difference from our seat is the, the, the signing process where you actually sign the, the release. That's it. We do nothing differently. We don't have as much visibility to some of the components of it as, as we'd like, if that makes any sense, but no, we don't do anything differently. It's a little bit easier for us. Uh, of course, in the past, if it came time to push and something happened, we had to bend a release and it was something that seriously affected you know, performance or feel we had to cut a new release, which meant new paper. Uh, it's nice for us to just be able to push that electronically. So that isn't required anymore. I hope it's working out for you guys. So like I said, we have an awareness of it, but we haven't really been trained as extensively on it. They hit it in recurrent a couple of times. They talked about it. Gave us the test drive. We kicked the tires a little bit. That was about it. Yeah. We're still working through some of the kinks and uh, trying to get used yeah, to that yeah. as well. But so far it seems that we're liking, yeah, not having to open the window and the, the, the dispatch release out the window, but very good. Any last re-attacks here from AFCA, from Jim Starnes? What do you want to tell 16,000 pilots? I want to tell you guys that, man, we just really want to drive home this relationship that I think we're strengthening through committees, through dialogue and through media like this, ask the dispatcher or anything like that. Oh, man, we're all in on that. We're aviation guys, just like you, right? We love airplanes and we do love what we do. The more we can talk about where our, our common touch points are, the better off I think we're going to be. I said it before earlier and I'll say it again. You guys are, you're our union brothers and sisters and, and we're here for you. So don't ever forget that, that you got somebody in the LCC that is going to represent your interests and will be thinking of you when it comes time to ask critical questions and make critical decisions. So we're here, engage us, really can't wait to get out and see a lot of you guys in the bases and, and, and to see where this goes, because I think it's going to go good places. Agreed. Good things to come. Really appreciate your time. Obviously, yeah. thanks for the support while we're in the air. Come join us. Open invitation, even when you're non-revving, just come on up awesome. and uh, talk to us. Love to have you up there and looking forward to supporting you and PAFCA in your negotiations and your drive and really awesome. forging that relationship that you talked about. So Jim Starnes, first vice president of PAFCA, thanks very much. You got it. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate the opportunity. You're listening to Engage, the podcast for Delta Pilots. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform and receive notifications when a new episode is available.